So wasn't that cute having those kids up here today? I got to let you in on a little thing about kids. They don't always stay little and cute like that. Maybe you've noticed. (laughs) And as a result of that, uh, I'm facing a bit of a hardship today, and I I need your sympathy, not just because it's my birthday, but uh, for the struggle I'm having. In the event I'm a little clumsy today, in the event I stumble or something, you see, it happened this way. Uh, Two of my sons... Uh, Nathan and Aaron are away uh, with Solid Bronze, the bell choir, on on a tour this weekend, and they left yesterday, and so when I got up this morning and went in to get my shoes, I couldn't find my regular Sabbath shoes. It so happens that as your sons get older, their feet get longer, and they start wearing your shoes at will. I couldn't find my regular shoes, but I thought, well, I'll be all right, and I looked around. There were other shoes there. I got these down and put them on. These are way too big for my feet. I wear a nine and a half. These are twelves. My toe doesn't come past here. So if I stumble and go down, just just hold it in. You'll understand. It's part of the hardship of raising children. But I think we'll be all right. The only solace I have in the whole experience is that one of them right now is miserable with their foot crammed into my shoe. So that makes me feel a little better. So, all right, we'll see how we do. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask your spirit now to come and be with us. Speak to us today, Lord. There are heavy things we need to recognize this day, but there are also heavy burdens we need lifted. So please come, Lord, with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Daniel chapter 5, verse 1. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem and the kings and his nobles, his wives and his concubines drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. Walls is our theme. We've been talking about different walls over this last month and we'll continue through this month to come. Sometimes the walls are the walls that stand between us And the land of promise, just like the walls of Jericho were to Joshua. Sometimes the walls are those walls we build inside our heart to try to keep the darkness inside so no one sees. Sometimes we know we can't get past the wall on our own and we're tempted to give up. But sometimes we show up at the wall anyway, just like the women showed up at the tomb with the stone. Sometimes we show up anyway, and God works a miracle. But then sometimes the walls become billboards 
that expose our sins to the world. Now, as I mentioned before, we, we spared nothing of the budget when we prepared for this series, and we had two walls built up here to demonstrate what we mean by walls. Is there writing on these walls today? Writing of a sort we would prefer no one ever saw? The arrogance of the Babylonian king Belshazzar is startling. It's interesting, he doesn't seem to have found the same favor with God that Nebuchadnezzar found. You remember we talked about this last fall when we were studying in the book of Daniel, that, that bizarre relationship that God seemed to have with Nebuchadnezzar. Well, it didn't seem to carry over to Belshazzar. I'd like to think Belshazzar was just ignorant and foolishly, mistakenly did what he did, but if you really read in this text, this isn't an accident. Daniel 5, verse 2, while Belshazzar was drinking his wine, well, that's always a good formula for foolish action there, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. So you see, we can't pass this story off as one where they were running a little short on glassware. And one of the servants absentmindedly ran into another room to grab what he could and didn't realize what he had brought out. No, that's not what the story tells us at all, is it? No, Belshazzar deliberately chose to have these particular vessels brought in. He knew exactly what he was doing. I'd like to excuse him. But I believe he knew all too well what he was doing. Yet he did it anyway. Now, I don't know for sure why I have this desire in my heart to believe that Belshazzar was acting in ignorance. I'm not sure why I care, but here's my theory. Maybe I want to believe that his arrogant sin was not really his fault, but merely an act of ignorance because I want to believe the same thing about myself, that my arrogant sins aren't really my fault. They're just acts of ignorance, right? Except that isn't true, is it? In truth, very few of my sins are acts of ignorance. Most of them I know good and well what's wrong with it. And I suspect if you were honest with yourself, you'd have to admit the same. I don't like to admit this for all kinds of reasons, but probably mostly because way too often arrogant sins end up written on walls. You ever notice that? Is there writing on these walls today? Can you imagine if this were to happen to us? Daniel 5, verse 5. 
Suddenly the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. Imagine that. Imagine a hand appearing in this place and beginning to write our sins on the walls. I suspect we would have a response very similar to Belshazzar. It says his face turned pale and he was so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees were knocking. If you were with us last fall, you know we spent a great deal of time one Sabbath on this particular story. And we won't spend much time on the details today. Let me just summarize to say the hand wrote and the words remained on the wall glowing. So the king called in the wise men to look on the wall and to tell him what it meant, but they couldn't do it. However, it turned out that standing in the court was one identified as the queen, though likely it was the queen mother, who reminded the young Belshazzar of an older man by the name of Daniel who used to read things like that for Nebuchadnezzar many years before. And so Belshazzar has Daniel brought, and he comes in, and Belshazzar promises him rich rewards if he will read and interpret the writing. Well, Daniel is not impressed with the rewards, and in fact suggests that the king can keep his things, but that he'll interpret the words anyway. There was writing on the wall that day, writing that was put there as a result of Belshazzar's arrogant sin. And this is what it said, Daniel 5, verse 25. This is the inscription that was written. Mini, mini, tekel, parson. Here is what these words mean, Daniel said. Mini, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel. You have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. And then after this, just a terse little epilogue, verse 29. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. He gave him the rewards anyway, even though he didn't want them. Verse 30. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. So understand what's happened here. Belshazzar's arrogant sin has led to the destruction of his kingdom and the ending of his life. The words on the wall said it all. There would be no sacrifice to save Belshazzar. The words would remain unsponged and glowing from the wall, and Belshazzar would bear his ignorant sin, not his ignorant sin, his arrogant sin, to his grave. You've been weighed on the scales and found wanting. That's what was written on the wall. You've been weighed and found we have writing on our walls don't we what do you suppose is written on your walls just imagine what if God's hand were to appear 
and tell it like it really is about us on these walls right here, right now. Might not be enough wall space. What then? Does that seem too far-fetched that that could happen? It didn't seem so far-fetched to those men who brought that woman they found in adultery to Jesus when he started riding in the dirt. You know, those things we think hidden aren't so hidden from God, are they? So what about it? What if the fingers of a human hand right here, right now, started writing your deep, dark, secret sins and your arrogant sins and your sins of foolishness on these walls right now? What would it say? Don't say it out loud. We really don't want to know. What would it say? I don't know exactly what the hand would write in specific about your life, but I know what the hand would write about me. And I can summarize. Here's what it would say. You, Jeff, have been weighed in the scales and found wanting. That's what it would say. And it would be unassailably true because I have been weighed in the scales and found wanting. I might rush to the wall in my shame and even my sorrow and seek to sponge the wall clean, but no amount of man-made soap, no amount of laundry bleach, no amount of scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing on my part could ever cleanse that wall from the truth that I've been weighed in the scales and found wanting. And it would be the same for you as it is for me. And the sight of our sins would leave us wretched. Oh, wretched man that I am. What can sponge the words from the wall? What can release me from my just condemnation? What can wash away my sin? What, I ask you, what? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me pure within? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Only Jesus can save us from the truth that's on the wall. And you know what? It isn't just part of that. No. Hebrews 7, verse 25, Jesus is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Only Jesus can wash the record of our sins from the walls. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's what this table's all about. You see, we all have writing on our walls, and that writing says, you've been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Why? Because there's none righteous. No, 
not one. And there is nothing we can of ourselves do to cleanse the walls of the glowing letters. But we can by faith receive from this table the emblems of the body and the blood of Jesus. And we can confess that what is written is true, that we have been weighed and found wanting. Well, why in the world would we do that? That just might hurt my self-esteem. Why would we confess? Well, 1 John 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Jesus will make our walls clean. So today is a communion of confession. And the shedding of sorrowful tears would not be inappropriate. But then neither would shouts of great joy be inappropriate by the time we've finished today. For you see, today, Jesus will make our walls clean. We don't very often do this where we really push down on that whole issue of the reality of our sin and fallenness. We want to be encouraging. We, we want to help people along. We don't want to beat you up. But it is right for us every now and then to realize that we have sinned arrogantly and foolishly And that were we to stand on our own and be weighed on the scale, we would be found wanting. For we cannot appreciate the salvation that is ours until we understand how lost we'd be without it. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 Paul writing said, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. I have not called to mind today your remembrance of your need of Jesus for the sake that you would be crushed and go away from here brokenhearted. I've called to mind today to your remembrance your need of Jesus so that in this service you might truly receive Jesus into your heart and into your life, that you might leave here today lighter and more joyful than you've been in years. In a moment I will kneel and pray 
for a blessing on the bread and on the cup. You can remain seated as I kneel. Then the deacons will come and they will serve you. Please, as the serving comes by, take both bread and the cup at the same time. And, but please hold on to them so that we can participate together once everyone's been served. And, and if you need something to be thinking about while you're waiting, consider that you are holding in your hands the emblems of the broken body of Jesus and his blood. And remember that the reason for them is because written on the wall is you've been weighed in the scales and found wanting. But Jesus has made provision for you that you might be accepted anyway. I'm going to kneel. You can remain seated. Father, I pray that you would send to us today a spirit of conviction to our hearts. Not that we would be shattered and broken, but rather that we would recognize our need of Jesus today. Lord, I pray that that spirit would find its way past our arrogant facade to the dark places in our heart. And that we would this day be sorrowful for our sin, for our pride, for our turning away, for our lack of compassion, for our lack of love. I pray that we would feel a sorrow, but I also pray, Lord, that when we receive these emblems today, you would, in the doing of that, remove this sorrow from us in a way that we would know for sure that we have been in your presence, we have been forgiven through Jesus, and we have been set free. All this is possible, Lord, through this service, this service that Jesus initiated. Lord, I pray your blessing on this bread and on this cup and on this place and on this time. May you do a great work in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Scripture says that on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and broke it and gave it to his disciples. Said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And knowing that his purpose was almost fulfilled, at the end of the meal, Scripture says Jesus took the cup, and he said this cup represents the blood of the new covenant. This is the cup that represents forgiveness of sin and new life in Jesus. If you this day would like you've been weighed on the scales and found wanting, washed from your walls. Receive by faith this cup and receive forgiveness.
I have spoken of the ugliness of that which could be written on our walls, but now I must tell you, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And what you have done this day is more than just an act of faith. It is together an act of prophecy, for the Scripture says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We have witnessed one more time to our faith that our sins are forgiven by the death of Jesus and our future is assured by his promise to come again. Truly, what more could we say? There is nothing more to say than that. But there is more we can do. We can, having been forgiven, now go forth into the world, no longer weighed down by sin and guilt, but now set free by the Son of God to go forth into the world and shine forth the light of the Holy Spirit that has come into our hearts today, to go out in power and in joy and in love for our brothers and sisters and extend the loving hand of Jesus in his name. Let's pray. Father, you have shown us today through your word the results of arrogant sin. And we have acknowledged where that sin has existed in our lives. And we have accepted the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf. We have borne witness by receiving the bread and drinking the cup. And I believe you have sent your Holy Spirit to us now with a spirit of courage and power and joy that we might go forth from here bearing your light to a world of darkness. But Lord, to be successful, we're going to need you to bless us and to keep us. And we would ask, Lord, that your face would shine on us and that you would be gracious to us. So, Lord, we pray right now that you would turn your face to us and give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen.